Welcome to Weddings Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you build a productive, profitable wedding or event business. Here's your host, Angela Profit. y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Weddings Unveiled, professional tips and secrets on wedding planning and event design, where we take you behind the scenes of our past experiences in the industry and share with you what we have learned from them and how they have made us stronger. This podcast will help you grow a productive and profitable business to launch you into success within the hospitality industry. Before we get started today, I want to ask you something. Are you looking for the missing piece of the puzzle to grow your business? Well, I want to invite you to watch my free online training on how I went from hobbyist to celebrity wedding planner and how you can do it too. You will discover the puzzle pieces that will absolutely transform your business from hobbyist to like, hell yeah, I can do this full time. On puzzle piece one, I'm going to go all into personality. Puzzle piece two, how to keep the high quality clients happy. Puzzle piece three, I'm going to talk about what separates the good from the great. On four best kept secrets to profitability and all about implementing the strategies. And five, if you're going to attract the best, come on, people, you got to be the best. And then I'm going to show you how to create the magic and put it all together for you and your clients. So don't wait another minute. Go on over to go.angelaprofit.com. That's G O dot Angela Profit, two F's and two T's dot com and watch my free videos and download my free workbooks that will take your business to the next level. Hi y'all, it's Angela Profit. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Weddings Unveiled. Today I am super, super excited to talk with chef and owner Michael Martin of South Catering Company. Welcome, Michael. Hi, Angela. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. I'm excited for you to share your entrepreneur journey and pathway with our listeners. I always let them know how I find these amazing people. And I have a we have a current client right now. And um, the father of the bride, he's like, do you know this guy? And they're amazing. And they do all this custom specialty stuff, like right up your alley. And so finally, we were able to find a time because we both have crazy busy schedules. And I don't get out to Franklin too much. Um, A lot of our business is either destination or downtown. And I know you guys have an awesome kitchen in Franklin. But we were finally able to meet up and then just share experiences about our backgrounds and our journeys and where we, how it's gotten us to where we are today. And so your story was really inspiring and some of the new things you have coming up. And I told Amanda, we got to have him on the podcast. So before we jump in and dive into talking about being a chef and starting South Fork Catering, where did you get into food and how did all that start? Well, for me, it all started with uh, family. Um, You know, I was really fortunate to be born into like a world of great food. Between my grandmother and my mother, um, I spent 
a lot of time in the kitchen when meals were being prepared and just learned really at apron strings to begin with. And then as I got older, I would ask questions and try to help out and learn about um, seasoning food, how to cook pasta, just general home cooking. And um, being curious was the most helpful thing because I would ask the right questions like, what does this spice do and why do you use it and what are these herbs for and how do you get this to bake like this what's in it so um so my my questions really turned in into knowledge and then i started just helping out preparing uh, food for the family that's awesome so so you were just a curious kid it sounds like (laughs) where and did, did we talk about true colors whenever we met? I can't remember. Yeah, we were talking about true colors and um, I was fascinated by, you know, you're labeling all these people, mm-hmm. this color and this color. It's like, wow, it's like, I need to figure out what my color is, but I, I, I didn't have the opportunity to look into it yet. So, so you're so kids that like ask a lot of questions and they're curious, like they're typically high greens, uh, not meaning like new at things. A green is like very analytical. They, their favorite word is why they ask a lot of questions. They like to understand how things work. Um, our listeners that have been listening for a long time, like they are probably so tired of hearing about true colors because I think I bring it up on probably almost every episode, (laughs) but it is the core of our foundation of how we understand people and how we communicate with people. And so when I first met you, I'm like, yep, he's green orange. So green people like ask a lot of questions. And then oranges everybody has all four colors but you definitely have like a strength and a weakness which in two colors they call it bright color and pale color so pale meaning that's your lowest color and you know you can do it but you're not thriving and happy like when you're green and orange and so most entrepreneurs that they they give up one thing or they hear they see a calling or they see an opportunity and they're like i'm going to take my knowledge from the past and jump in to do something new um so what was your first venture after you know growing up in the kitchen and asking all these questions it reminds me of my brother but he's not a chef he's an undercover detective <laughs> but um uh, what <laughs> Quite yeah, i know i know right um there's an art to it though you know in in both for sure. But what was your really first jump off of, okay, I'm going to go to school and do, like do this as a business? It's interesting because I never went to culinary school. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Um, no. Um, I just started working in, in the kitchen. Um, you know, I had a job as a prep cook during high school. Over the summer, I learned how to bake biscuits and fry chicken. Um, you know, some pretty classic Southern, Southern stuff. Um, and then during college, I worked in a small restaurant in Knoxville, just doing prep work, just as a job, not really pursuing a career or thinking I would one day, you know, run restaurants or start a catering business. And so uh, just like, just to work, I, I felt very comfortable. I was good at it. Um, I was very assertive. So I learned everything in the kitchen. I guess, I know I asked a lot of questions again, like what's in it? How does it work? What does it do? You know, this type of stuff. So that applies from food to equipment, to ordering systems, to purveyor relations, 
actually, but I really wasn't thinking on that level. I was just like, all right, how do I get in touch with the fish guy? What data or the fish if I need to? And then I just was promoted to the lead line cook or to assistant chef or to, to whatever, just through working. And so after doing that a few years, I'm like, I guess this is what I'm doing. I'm going to be a chef or I'm going to just cook for but a living. But you loved it, right? Uh, so it was, I don't know if you, yeah, so yeah. I loved it. And I, I found the work fascinating. Um, it's interesting, you know, that you get to work with a lot of different people. You know, you learn um, from everybody that you work with, you know, no matter what their experience level. Everybody brings something, um, you know, interesting to the table. So, um, yeah, I just did that. And then I worked in Nashville for years and then I moved to New York City and worked in restaurants there. I mean, once again, I was not really pursuing a job as a chef or a career. Um, but I was drawn to the kitchen because I knew I could get a job, you know, and I knew I was, you know, good at it. Yeah. So you, um, so I guess you worked in New York and I want to hear the story. Like I want our list. I know how you got there because you told me at Starbucks, but for our listeners, like how'd you get to Prague and like, then how did you meet your wife? And then how did you guys decide, like, we're coming back to Nashville and we're going to open this catering company. Like take us on that journey and how that all evolved. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I first landed in Prague after uh, the wall came down in 89. So I went there immediately uh, in 90 and fell in love with uh, Central Europe. Uh, Prague specifically uh, was just fascinated by the people, history, um, you know, literature. And then, of course, it's the most beautiful city in Europe. I mean, it's just incredible. So I was like, I was standing there. I was like, I will come back here and live one day. And then two years later, I had the chance um, encounter with a friend of a friend who had been, it was, was teaching English. And I was like, I want that job. So I got in touch with someone, you know, we were super high tech. Then it was like, I was sending a fax to somebody <laughs> in, in Prague and they were sending a fax back to my cousin's office in Seattle where I was at the time. And so we arranged. So I, okay. It's like, okay, I'm going on. So I have this fax in my hand and I'm supposed to meet at the train station. And that's how I took off. So I, I got a plane ticket. I went back, packed in a backpack and, um, showed up and the guy showed up and I started teaching English, uh, to after school classes. So it was just, I was, I didn't speak Czech. I didn't know anybody. Um, but I had a job. It was not a well-paying job, but it was a job. I had a place to stay. So that's how I started living on my own in Europe, um, out of a backpack on somebody's couch. And then so, you were there for like 10 years? Yeah. So in two different chapters. So the first chapter, this is the first chapter, I guess. Uh, and then uh, I was, uh, some of my students played in the theater. Mm -hmm there and then they knew some other people that ran like the avant-garde theater so we went to visit one day and that is when i met then my future wife-to-be who became a really good friend an english student and then um later much much more so that's 
basically how we met. And um, I stopped teaching English and uh, helped open a French restaurant there when we uh, got married. And we started a family and I was working there. And then I was uh, asked by the U.S. ambassador to come work at the American residence to be the chef. What is that like? (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty spectacular. Um, It's in this uh, 1930s uh, villa that overlooks Prague. Um, The residence and the embassy are separate in in, uh, the Czech Republic where a lot of residents, ambassadors' residents and embassies are together. So it was quite unique. So um, we got to live at the residence. Um, we had this huge kitchen to work out of. And it was just incredible. We had gala dinners and cocktail receptions. And we hosted all the NATO ambassadors. And, uh, you know, the president was there. It was Bill Clinton at the time. Um, you know, we had Secretary of State Madeleine Albright was there. Uh, I met so many people from Dennis Hopper to Czech writers to Václav Havel, who was the president um, of the Czech Republic at the time. So uh, it was a lot of work, um, uh, but a lot of uh, amazing experiences that, you know, I just wouldn't trade for anything. So I love that it's been like all of the different experiences that has gotten you to where it is today. It's like school's good, but you can't learn all this stuff in school. It's like hands on. Um, Is there like, as far as the food goes from, you know, Europe back into Nashville, like, what does that look like? Like, is it super different? Uh, I mean, yeah, well, the products which are available, particularly in Central Europe, um, are quite different, um, especially in the early, early 90s. Um, we talk about having a regional and local uh, market to work out of, uh, which is, you know, we're very, in our business now, we're very much farm to table. We work with our local farms here in, in Franklin and Thompson Station and around central you know, um, middle Tennessee. Um, and we're, we're blessed with like amazing products nearly year round. There's always something growing. So, you know, the first winter of, of 93 and 94 and uh, living in, in, uh, in Czech, uh, Czech Republic, you know, you had some potatoes and you had kohlrabi, which is a root vegetable, which uh, I do love now. Uh, onions and you know cabbage basic that's the local vegetables right that's because that's what's growing at the time so um okay so you get really creative um if you want to try to incorporate those things into your cooking you know working uh, at the american uh, residence you know i had the luxury of being able to shop at a few like foreign markets that were in prague there was like a French market. They brought in produce every week so I could order stuff like that. So I wasn't limited just to that. But, um, you know, here we have things that are available year round. And now the supermarkets there, it's the same thing, you know. Um, but it was interesting to be able to see a very pure type of system that was in place when I, you know, right after the revolution to see what people would cook. And then, you know, a lot of people had gardens. Um, they lived in, you know, uh, tenement flats and 
people would go to garden during the nice weather. So people would grow peppers and tomatoes and, you know, summer vegetables. So I got to cook with that too. when I was just teaching English. So how cool. Yeah. (laughs) It was was incredible. Yeah. It's funny because I was there. I was, I was known as Michael, the English teacher. Really nobody knew anything about me, like my background as a chef or as a cook or whatever. So Occasionally, I would go to someone's house and say, "Hey, I'll, I'll cook lunch," and they're like, "Oh, it's okay, it's okay." It's like, <laughs> you know, you're a guy; you don't know how to cook lunch. You know, you don't know how to cook. So then I would just like get a bunch of stuff from the garden. I would just start cooking, and then two hours later, dinner would be on the table. Like, oh, you do know how to cook, okay? And they're yeah. amazed, yeah. and they're like, "Yeah, it's like that's interesting. I thought you're just an English teacher." <laughs> um, like, actually, I'm not an English teacher. I'm actually a cook that teaches English. Teaching English. <laughs> yeah. So. so how did you get back to Nashville? Or how did you get your wife to move from, you know, Europe back into U.S. and back home? She was hoodwinked, for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, it was, so, so chapter one was meeting and then working for the ambassador. And then um, we, moved, uh, we moved to Nashville back home. Um, when my wife was pregnant with our, with our daughter, our son was born in Prague and then we moved here. Uh, and then we were here for a couple of years. And then we had uh, a friend of my wife's who had had the company that had bought an old building and they wanted to renovate it and turn it into the lower level, like a restaurant and then the upper level, a place to live and some apartments. So they came to visit. We talked to them about it. My wife was really homesick. She was like, I'm ready to go back. I'm not liking it here. And I'm like, I understand. So we made this deal that we went back and we helped renovate this old building and open a restaurant in there. Mm-hmm. And through that process, um, we were running the restaurant, training people how to cook different food, uh, creating like a local food network of farmers there that were in the countryside nearby. And I met um, an event organizer who wanted to start a catering company. And I had done, we had done like a small catering job, actually kind of a big catering job. And she was the person that was producing it and then we met. And then we had a meeting. We're like, okay, we're going to start a catering business. So that was the first one that we did in Prague. And it was... Uh, it was incredible. We worked in some of the best venues available in Prague. We had access to incredible clients. So we were working in Prague Castle, working along the river, over the bridge, I mean, in the gardens, I mean, old chateaus. It was just stunning, absolutely stunning. And why would you leave that scenery? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Well, after about eight years, um, um, the second chapter, we decided, okay, kids are like in the fourth and fifth grade right mm-hmm. now. Are we going to stay here for you know, the next 10 years and let them get out of school? Or are we going to let them kind of grow up half their life in Europe, another half in America? I was like, you know, it won't be long before. They'll be driving. They'll be 16. They'll be able to drive. Of course, you can't drive when you're 16. How old do you have to be? You have to be oh, 18. Oh, I didn't know that. 
And then it's very uncommon that any 18-year-old would have okay. a car. I mean, because you use public transportation. If you're going to university, you don't have a car. You know, most families then had like one car, even if both, you know, parents worked. So very different than here. Like, you know, you're 16, you can find a car that's cheap enough to buy. And, you know, but even by having a part-time job, you know, and you can kind of get your own life going as a kid. So, um, and, and I was also doing some other stuff there with another company. I was just kind of burned out and I'm like, you know, maybe we, we should go back. Plus I had an inside offer for a job um, working with the Food Network uh, back in Nashville on some project. So we just said, okay, let's just sell everything and pack up some bags and move back. <laughs> and that's what we did. But was the driving force really like the opportunity with Food Network that was like, okay, you know, we should take this opportunity, give our kids a taste of what it's like in the United States versus Europe? I mean, was that one of like, oh, this is an opportunity, let's jump and see where it goes? Definitely that, plus the side that my parents were still here uh, living in, um, in Nashville. And even though they would come visit every year, you know, they were kind of being neglected as grandparents because we were really far away, you know, so they really were missing like daily Aww. interaction with the kids. Yeah. And, you know, I really wanted um, that, you know, to happen as well. So it's hard when you have like grandmothers in two different parts of the world, <laughs> you know, in Europe or in America. So, you know, we had been yeah. there for 10 years. So it's like, okay. Let's see what the next 10 years are going to look like. So, so your very first wedding wasn't like something for like 50 people. It was like 200 people. <laughs> and did you have any plans of like, okay, let's open up a catering company? Or it was like your friend said, my sister's getting married. Can you cater this your food's amazing and that's kind of how, how it where it all started would you say well you know he he had been to uh, a few supper clubs that i had done in the area just some like you know pop-ups for different uh events and um so when i was talking to him i, was, I met him and i think it probably at whole foods and I was like, hey, he said, hey, what's new? I said, I'm, you know, I'm going to start this catering company, South Fork Catering. And as, oh, really? So what, what are you going to do? It's like, you know, well, it's farm to table. And he goes, oh, okay, because you work with all these farmers. And I was like, yeah. So he goes, well, that's great because my sister is getting married. And uh, um, she's looking for a caterer. I was like, okay, put this in touch. So, we got in touch and that's how we started to put uh, our, you know, our first, you know, serious uh, event together. And, um, and I think I, I had mentioned that we didn't have any of the stuff for it. So what did you do? <laughs> we had to make a list of everything we needed. Plan so, ahead. <laughs> um, you know, I had made, I had made our website. Um, I had created, you know, menus and different things like that. And so I'm like, I wasn't expecting to get, you know, like a large event right off 
the beginning, you know? Yeah. You were thrown uh, into the fire pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, was, I wasn't afraid of the numbers because, you know, we used to do large events in Prague. But yeah, uh, I just had to, like, put it together pretty quickly. You know, I was like, okay, let's make a list of all the hotel pans we need. You know, what do we need for this? And then right, we need chafing dishes. We need beverage urns. And we just made list after list and started to order things and, and shop and put everything together. So we got everything together before the, before the wedding. So... Um, and we packed it all up and, and hauled it there and did and our did first it. wedding at the Cordell. And the, the people were like, who are you guys and where are you from? And it's like, we're South Fork and we're from Franklin, Tennessee. They're like, wow, we've never heard of you. I said, this mm-hmm. is our first national event. And they're like, okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so, um, and then our second event was also at the Cordell as well. So we established a great relationship with them right off the bat because we were different you know um the food looked different uh the people reacted differently to the food you know the products were different you know it was in summer and we used heirloom tomatoes from bloomsbury farm and we had vegetables from delvin farms you know two great organic farms in the area and you know we had beef from simpson farms or Bear Creek Farms, I can't remember right now. But, you know, it was this approach that made us stand out. Absolutely. I mean, so this is kind of a great question, like roll into, you know, having local connections and not only the benefits of being, knowing where your stuff comes from and being safe to eat and, you know, I know the word organic is thrown around a lot. I don't think that some people actually understand what that means. And um, and some pe- some of my clients, it's funny. It's like most of our clients, they really value food. They value the experience. They value local. They value organic. Um, the people that you can tell that are not quite educated, It's and I don't mean that in a mean way. It's like you don't know what you don't know. It's like, oh my God, you get a Whole Foods, like it just, you get one bag and walk out and spend $250. And so I'm like, but the food is so much better, like what you're putting in your body. And, you know, everything's linked to cancer these days and everything is linked. But when you really educate yourself on it, um, that matters. And so I know you have a connection to Franklin Farmers Market and to local growers and buyers. So what does that relationship look like? And I definitely think that's one of the things that sets you apart from some of the caterers that do these large parties in town and, you know, the Cisco truck pulling up, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a completely different approach slash business model slash branding. Um, But what is your connection and passion behind dealing with the, the farmers and the farmer's market? Well, you know, first of all, it's, um, I'm thankful that I'm not a farmer. We're trying to be a farmer because it's a lot of hard work and my hat is off to them. You know, when you're dealing with, I don't know, how much rain have we had just the past month? Oh my God. And it's, it's winter, right? It's no, but now it's the monsoon season here in Tennessee, you know? So like all the fields are wet. People are trying to plant, um, you know, vegetables that they're going to need for the end of spring, early summer, you know, it's just a mud 
this is the mud pit out there. It's yeah. it's crazy. So like to cook for 200 people, not a problem for us. Like to grow food for 200 people, that would be an issue for me. So, yeah. uh, you know, the amount of work that the farmers do is just, just incredible. Um, as far as, uh, you know, the farmers at the farmer's market, um, not only are they our purveyors, but, you know, many of them become like family friends over the years. So we've done a lot of uh, work, um, weddings uh, on farms. I think I mentioned Bloomsbury Farm, Delvin Farms. Um, you know, both, both of them have like, uh, they do weddings and different events on the farm. So, you know, we know them. They know us. Um, when we go to the market, we have, you know, we see each other pretty much every Saturday morning. We have an event Saturday night. I go to the market and pick up whatever else I need that day, specifically like tender greens from a family called the Nortons in Columbia. They're there every Saturday morning. They have fresh arugula, baby kale. Um, they, they cut, they make their own spring mix of mixed baby greens. They have like four or five hoop houses that, you know, they cut that stuff on. Friday morning, wash it, dry it, pack it up. You know, I send them a message during the week. I need 12 pounds of arugula. It's ready to go. You know, I pick it up. Like that's a really quite a different relationship than just like uh, totally <laughs> ordering it on a Cisco app. So <clears throat> plus, you know, I pick up something to eat from Karen who just made some biscuits that morning. Um, I can see Charlie Hatcher pick up buttermilk that I'm going to need you know, during the week um, for some biscuits. So we make these buttermilk chocolate cakes. We use Hatcher buttermilk for that. And it makes all the difference in the world, you know. So or I go see Lauren Palmer at Bloomsbury Farm Stand, and maybe I'll pick up something I'm going to need um, later in the week or whatever I might need that night. I may pick up some radishes if it's the spring that I can use on the cheese board or, you know, something like that. So it's a really living type of relationship because. I have events on Saturday. I have to do prep Thursday and Friday. So I need vegetables in the middle of the week. There's no farmer's market in the middle of the week. So, you know, we have a lot of like parking lot pickups, you know, we'll meet, we'll take the truck somewhere. We'll meet, um, you know, Hank Delvin in the parking lot. Maybe we'll get lunch together and then I'll unload the stuff out of the truck into the back of my truck. And I come back to the kitchen and then we wash and prep and that kind of stuff, you know, it's, so it's a lot of, you gotta make everyone has to make an extra effort to totally. get to get that food on the table. So um, you can you know what's going to be uh, coming up in the market every every week. Uh, what's interesting for us is that we have to write menus in the winter for the end of summer if someone's getting married at the end of August, beginning of September, late summer. Mm-hmm. So, but we know because we've worked with these farms for, you know, past three or four years, just in the catering business. But the previous years, I know what's growing. I know what, I know what they grow. Um, I know what they will grow for us if we ask them to do it. So I'm able to write those menus, you know, it's like, okay, we still, uh, September, second week of September. All right. Heirloom tomatoes are probably done by then, mm-hmm. but I know we'll still have cherry tomatoes coming out of Lauren's farm until October. I know it, you know, unless something crazy happened. Now, strawberries in the springtime are something completely different. 
right? We just had three days of spring, right? Are your yeah. all your flowers blooming, right? Along the edge of the house, all the buttercups, everything's coming up. Now it's going to freeze tonight. Mm-hmm. So if you're a strawberry farmer and that's out in the field, it's a lot of strawberries to cover. Unfortunate. Right? So right now, a lot of people have lost the first bump of strawberries. So what you thought might be an early crop in end of April, well, like now it's two weeks into May. So those things, you know, you have to you know, roll with it. But for, as a caterer, it's easier for me to roll with it. I just change the menu. Do you um, find that, I know you and I talked about this when we met, and we are very similar and that we, we service a very specific type of client that trust us. And I was, one of my questions is, do you look for the type of clients that, you know, if you have a menu that says we're going to serve X, Y, Z, and then you're shopping or going to pick up that food from the farm and it's not up to par with the quality that you think that would be best for the guest. Do you have the types of clients where they're like, I trust you if you need to change something 48 hours before because it's not going to be good and you just handle it? Do you feel like that's the type of client that you, they trust you, right? I mean, because you know what you're doing. Have you ever had to do that, by the way? <laughs> uh, we have, we've had to make changes. You know, we usually know a little bit more in advance because like, you know, we're talking to our partners, our farmer farming partners all the time so if it's a questionable thing i'll be like so how is this looking are we going to have blackberries for this thing i've got uh at the end of june is it is it hot enough you know is it growing so i'll know ahead if i need to change it to something else and then i make adjustments but as you were saying about our clients you know our clients they they do trust us because um, that's why they've chosen to work with us because of what we do. So, uh, and who we work with. So it's like, I don't promise you tomatoes in March, you know, there's not tomatoes to be had from where I buy tomatoes until early or early July, late June, you know? So that's a, if that's a problem, then we, I'm sorry, we don't have it. You know, we'll, we're, we're as accommodating as possible, um, but it's not always the, <laughs> the right season. It's not season. always perfect. And it's the not weather, always the right season. So, but yeah. you know, they, they trust us. Yeah, and the weather seems to dictate a lot of that too. We've been having a lot of crappy weather lately, um, mm-hmm. for sure. And so do you have, and I know I've asked you this before, but do you have a favorite meal that if someone came to you and said, which actually my client, you're doing a brunch for them. And I'm like, what do you guys want? And they're like, whatever Michael thinks. And so I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm asking you, what would you do? And so do people come to you and say like, what would you do? Do you have a favorite go-to menu that's like your favorite thing to cook? I mean, it, it, well, you know, it does depend on the season. I'll be honest with you. Okay, you know, best because, season. What's your favorite uh, best season? <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to beat summer in the South. Corn, okra, tomatoes, peppers, eggplants, you know, all the 
you know, aromatic herbs. It's pretty fantastic. So anytime you can get Tennessee Bradley tomatoes on the plate with pretty much anything, um, it's a winner for me. Um, I, I love that. Um, I also love to uh, cook over the fire, um, which we get to do when we work on the farm. And one of my favorite things to cook is uh, flank steaks over oak wood at Bloomsbury Farm. It's been one of our most well-received dishes, and we do it on-site. We don't bring it cooked. We cook it on the fire, slice it, and then serve it to everybody. And um, I love it because I love the grill. I love the smell of the wood. Um, I also like that it's a bit of a high-wire act. Um, cooking on site in front of the guests who are just about to eat in about a half an hour, they're looking at, what are you doing? It's like, we're cooking the flank steaks. And they're like, that's for dinner? And it's like, if all goes well, it'll be for dinner. So, that is so awesome, though. that Because there's not a lot of people who do that stuff on site. Yeah, we've we've done that. We've uh, I've brought whole sides of Scottish salmon there raw and like hot smoked them over the wood. Um, so which, you like go fishing, or you buy them from a fisherman? <laughs> so uh, the Scottish salmon is one of the things which we use, which is definitely not local. It's from Scotland, so oh, it's, that's why uh, it's called Scottish salmon. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> you know we work with a purveyor that brings it in um, for us from Scotland and I use it from Scotland because it's, it is the highest quality Atlantic salmon that I can buy um, that I know is raised with high quality standards. You know, these fish are swimming in their native area in the ocean. They have natural diet. They just can't leave the area where they're swimming. <laughs> so wow. they're, so they're, they're, they're living in their, their own habitat and these fish are huge and uh, they're quite a different type of fish. That's fish, which you can buy for it's being farmed out of South America, which you don't want. So, uh, so that these fish are raised without antibiotics, without any growth hormones and all natural feed. There no, there's no color added to them. So, um, yeah. So that's why I use specifically, salmon from Scotland. So it's one of the non-local products that I use, but uh, it's a great one. And, um, you know, if, we, if we're getting regional fish, then it'll be uh, some trout, you know, uh, which we've done as well. We've grilled over the fire, which is fantastic. It's kind of like half grilled, half smoked, which is pretty fantastic. And then uh, we'll use uh, seafood from, from the Gulf and from, uh, you know, off the east coast as well and then as far as like your beef and your chicken that's all sourced locally through local farmers in nashville yeah so we have uh, one of our main suppliers of beef is a farm called simpson farms they're out in athens tennessee so um they they process beef at a pretty large qual uh, quantity so if we need flank steak for 200 people, then, you know, if I let them know in advance, then they're like, yeah, we got you covered. Or if we need to do whole pork loins, uh, pork tenderloins, that kind of stuff. 
Um, we also like to use meat from our friends at Bear Creek Farm, which are here in Thompson Station. Um, we get uh, lamb from them. We'll do like these ground uh, lamb meatballs with herbs and French mustard, and that's kind of like an appetizer, these lamb pops. We get lamb from them. Um, occasionally, we'll be able to get other cuts, like tenderloins, things like that if it's for a small party. Uh, they sell to so many restaurants that it's hard for us to get large quantities from Bear Creek, but um, anytime I can get my hands on what they have, I, I definitely do that. Um, and then uh, if we need something else, we'll go to North Carolina to uh, Brasstown Beef, which it's all grass-fed beef. Uh, it's a collective of farms in uh, North Carolina right across the state line. and Man, Brasstown does an incredible job with their, their beef. Some of the highest quality beef in, um, in the Southeast, for sure. So, you know, we're, we're lucky with that, that we have resources that are handy. That's awesome. So if you have a, um, you know, a savvy couple that wants to hire you, but then like the parents, you know, they don't understand organic, they don't understand the, the investment, the pricing difference. How do you overcome some of those objections? Uh, you know, just through uh, communicating. Um, you know, we ask questions, we, let, we want our clients to ask us questions. Um, and we do that, we host the tastings um, for our clients. And that's like the moment when we're all able to sit around the table uh, and talk and they get to know us. They get to try the food that we're, you know, it's on the proposal and then they can see what the difference is. If they've had a tasting somewhere else or, you know, if you just eat out at a regular restaurant, then you know it, what we do is a little bit different. And, uh, you know, we try to keep our prices competitive. Um, we don't, we're not the, the cheapest caterer on the market, uh, but we definitely work on good planning, not being wasteful, um, and just like trying to hit, hit the right budget mark. So like communication is key, you know, realistic expectations, what do you want, what's available, that kind of stuff. So, but you know, for the most part, we're lucky because of people that kind of get to us or find us. You know, they're they're already kind of on board with what we do. Right. Would you say word of mouth in Nashville and just by doing the first wedding has been the best referral source, or do you guys have a social media strategy? Yeah, uh, kind of both. I mean, word of mouth has definitely been our best. Uh, form of marketing. Um, every time we have a new client get in touch with us, <clears throat> I always ask, how did you hear about South Fork? Well, we were in an event that you cooked for or a friend of ours was at a wedding that you cooked for and they said it was amazing. We should call you. Um, that's always wonderful. You know, and I try to track down the source and, and get in touch and say, thank you for a recommendation. We really appreciate that. Um, we're really fortunate to have like, great Google reviews from our clients that, uh, you know, after the event, they'll just write a review and say, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, and then 
we do have a lot of people that find us through Instagram. Um, I manage the social media for South Fork. Um, I do the photography for the website and for our social media. Um, and I just try to tell the story of what we do. That's the main goal of the social media for me is just keeping the lines of communication open what we do. You know, I don't have a strategy that I post every day at 9.30 in the morning, um, <clears throat> a certain type of thing. It's a little bit more organic. So you saw our Instagram. Last, our, my last post for the year was at the beginning of the year, wishing everyone a happy new year. And I've just kind of like had it, let it have a rest yeah. for January and uh, February. And tomorrow's the first day of March. So I will be uh, posting some new, new things that I've been working on. And I think I mentioned that we have some workshops coming up. So yes, I'll that's what I wanted. To know. Yeah. So I well, and that's something that um, where I was going with it exactly is that you know when I met you, I'm like, so who does the photography? Like your everything looks super colorful. It like your strategy looks great, and you're like, oh, I do it. Like it's no big thing. Um, but to me, it's like that's how I can really tell when you're in d doing different things, but it all goes back to art and it's like food art and photography art and teaching art and you've been a teacher and teaching English and then doing the workshops here. I was looking at your website this morning and I know it said like workshops coming soon and I know myself as an educator, you kind of have to, at least I have had to take a step back sometimes I'm like okay for the next 30 days I'm not really coming out of my hole until I get this program built and all this stuff done and some people think I'm crazy because they pre-sell classes before they actually build them I'm like yeah I'm a little back a bit backwards like that I like to have it done before I talk about it um but do you what are those workshops going to entail or can you tell us? Or do you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I do know some of them. Some I, I don't know yet. Um, I'm working on them. Um, but, yeah, I was listening to a, a podcast of yours um, recently. And uh, you like to have everything in front of you, right? You like to have everything lined up. I do. It and makes me see everything. be productive. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, so, Super OCD um, like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I – yeah, it's that's it was really interesting. I was like, wow, that's very cool. It's like I don't know if I could ever get anything done that way. I just because I do it different. I do it the other way around. I think so. It was really it was very insightful. Um, you're much more organized than I am. That's for sure. So. Well, I feel like I have to be. Um, it, my mom said. In fact, I was doing a a video yesterday. And, um, you know, my mom's like, ever since you were born, we were concerned about you because you would line your toys up. And then if I would vacuum, she's like, you just started to crawl. And if I touched like your line of toys with a vacuum, like you literally would throw a fit on the, like freak out. And so she's like, I just learned not to touch your things. You were very much a neat freak. And she's like, you couldn't even talk. <laughs> and you were like, 
she said that they saw a therapist. I was an only child, so I was almost six years old. And they saw a therapist because they were so worried about me being so OCD. It's not that bad. Like I'm not medicated for it, but I, and, and I'm, I'm totally like, I can be flexible and go with the flow. I'm super orange, but, and that's what I'm happiest. But I know that there has to be an order to the madness in order for a smooth outcome. And so I learned that from healthcare and psychology and I had to chart a certain way because that's before electronic medical records for my patients' bills to get paid. And so it was really important to me because when they would get a denial from the insurance company, I would personally, I would take that personally, like, oh my God, I didn't chart good enough. Um, so it taught me to be a very detail-oriented person. And yesterday, the video we were doing, I was making these disco balls for like vases for a party we have. It's a big adoption party coming up this weekend. And um, I, I caught myself like like individually gluing these itty bitty little mirror pieces that are like the size of my pinky nail. When I pre-ordered like the the mirrors, they come on sheets, like they're pre-ordered. And I'm like, this is not a good use of my time. But I'm so <laughs> yeah. OCD. It's like, I don't want anybody else to do it. Like I want to do it my way. And sometimes it's just therapy. And I'm like, and then I catch myself. I'm like, okay, Angela. So then I set a timer and I'm like, okay, 20 minutes for each vase. And thank God we only have like 10 of them. <laughs> so Because oh, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't want to build the client a ton just because I'm so OCD about making these vases. Um, but sometimes it's just um, my, my, the craziness of, you know, there's so much noise and there's so many opportunities that get thrown at us, you know, you're a creative too. It's like if we had to learn what to say yes to and there has to be order. Otherwise, we can't pump out what we pump out. Like there's people think I'm crazy for like taking one day a month and doing videos for the month. And they think I'm crazy for interviewing 10 people in a day for a podcast so that, you know, six or eight weeks, like I don't keep it a secret. We batch content. Otherwise it would never get done. Like sure. it's a mindset. And you know what I mean? Like when you just said, like you prep on Thursday and Friday for a Saturday wedding for 200 people, you are in a certain mindset and you know, you got to go shopping, you got to go to the farms, you got to pick this stuff up. And so I like to put position myself to be in that mindset. So I'm a hundred percent focused and I'm not like being pulled in five different directions. Like, oh my God, I got to go get in my car now and I've got to run down the road. And then what if there's traffic? And it's like, I don't want to think about all that. It's just noise. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one thing that has just taught me over the years, the older I get, you know, time becomes more precious. And so I try to figure out like, how can we use our time best? And um, a little of that, a little of that definitely does come from the OCDness in me. But you know, you gotta learn to let go a little bit sometimes. <laughs> it's like yeah, that's sure. not important that all of the mirror tiles are perfectly like in place with this glue, and no one else is going to notice but me. Like seriously. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Like you, you definitely gotta let that go for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> not. It's gonna hinder you if uh -huh, you. I know. You, know, you just get stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I stay, I stay organized through lists, you know, I have my yellow okay. pad. Uh, I use my calendar on my phone. Everything goes to my calendar and I use reminders all the time. Yep. Um, I also have learned over the years, uh, 
I think I learned this when I worked for the U.S. ambassador in Prague when I was the chef there. Like how to schedule stuff. And um, he would schedule, I mean, he, had, he was a very busy guy, obviously. Uh, he was learning Czech. His teacher would come like three times a week. So he had that scheduled and he'd always be there for that. Uh, and then he would schedule time to meet with me about something that was coming up. If we had um, NATO, NATO ambassador's lunch, kind of like what his ideas were, you know, I mean, he just let me cook whatever, but if he had, if he had something special, but just to keep, keep up, you know, with me, you know, he, he even took time to make sure that, Hey, you're doing okay. All this kind of stuff. Cause we had just, you know, my son was just born and want to make sure that I'm, we're good. So he would be able to schedule. It's like, okay, he sent me a, a message or whatever. Uh, through not through my phone we didn't have that then right so like through the through the driver <laughs> yeah. you know you'd come down to the kitchen it's like hey Michael an investor wants to meet with you can you meet between 6 and 6.15 on Thursday night that's awesome <laughs> I'm like yeah I think I can clear my schedule to do that no problem <laughs> <clears throat> but I liked it because I knew at 6.16 he was going up the stairs to get in the car to leave Yep. and then I could go back to what I was doing you know it wasn't like a drawn out meeting, we would like say what we need to say, get it done. And then I can move on and he can move on. So now I've taken that lesson and I will schedule time to think about things. Like I will not carry around thoughts in my head and worry about something. I know that I need to figure out, I've got an event, let's say that's coming up. Uh, We're doing an event next week for 400 people, right? I've got the menu printed off here on my desk. Um, I've already got some of my orders placed, but I've got some stuff coming up after that. I'm not going to worry about that today. I'm going to take tomorrow morning and sit down and think about it for half an hour and figure it out. Because like tomorrow's my cutoff time, but I'm not going to worry about it today. I've got other stuff on my list. I got mm-hmm. to, so I'm not going to bounce around and just like, just let it, um, there's a great saying about work, uh, uh, a Czech saying about work is that it's, it's work is not a rabbit that's not going to run away. So <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's going to be there for me. It's like I start running away until I cross it off the list. But I'm not going to worry about it. I can't take up my bandwidth in my mind to juggle all the things that you got to think about, you know. What is your favorite app? Like if you had to choose one, aside from calendar and reminders. Yeah, those are just utilities, you know. Um, yeah. Oh, my favorite app. I mean, um, I do use Instagram a lot mm-hmm. uh, because I like to keep up with uh, my community uh, f- through South Fork. You know, I like to see, you know, what venues are doing or what stylists are doing or people that we work with, planners. Uh, I keep up with what you're posting, you know. Um, so I do spend time during the day, you know, going through uh, accounts that I follow and liking things or making comments or making plans with people like, Hey, we should do collaborate on something on this. So I, I do like that a lot, which is very cool. I don't know. I, I use Lightroom on my phone for quick mobile edits. Um, okay. If I need to crop a photo, I'll work on something for a project. So I use Lightroom a bunch. Uh, I have it on my, my, my regular, my regular laptop that I use for photo editing, but I, I do use. I like that one. It's really a, there's a lot in it. 
if you're into photography. Yeah. So, and it's just an it. app yeah. on your phone that you can just get it. Yeah. You can use, uh, I mean, I have an, an Adobe, it's from the Adobe Creative Suite. So there's Lightroom, Photoshop, and then I use Premiere Pro to edit mm-hmm. videos, which is something new that I'm working on with the farmer's market to do what I'm calling right now uh, market snapshots that um, I'll shoot kind of like a vlog style video at the market, get some up close footage of a specific type of product, you know, a specific thing that which is growing right now. And then in the kitchen, I'll come back and I'll do like a really quick one or two minute um, preparation. Like how can you basically, how can you get this from the market to your kitchen and onto your plate for dinner? without too much hassle and it'd be delicious. So that's uh, something that's, it's going to be dropping pretty soon, especially when the weather gets a little bit better. That's awesome. So that'll one be app, fun. Yeah. One app that I, cause I do a ton of video. In fact, before I was talking with you, I was talking with the creator of vlog easy, which is an app that automatically jump cut edits for you. So mm-hmm. not having to put, drag videos from my phone or to cut it in iMovie, it has saved us so much time. Like we use it, we do vlogs with it, but then we use it a little bit differently where, you know, I'm like, okay, today we need to pump these 10 things out for the next month. These are the speaking things coming up. These are, you know, classes that we need to let the community know about and our audience know about. Here's how they can sign up for it. And so that's something, it's still free right now. You could check it out. It saves so much time. I, I absolutely love it. If you, you know, get into video. And I bet too, yeah. just like behind the scenes, like showing people like, hey, Thursday, Friday, you know, behind the scenes, shopping at the farm. I bet people, especially people who love to cook, like I don't know how to cook anything, but they love that stuff. Like, do you, do you ever share like behind the scenes stuff? Oh yeah, I mean, I, if you go through the um, anyway, I do with photos, um, and I do, I, I do some video. Uh, I like to do some time lapse videos at the event because you kind of see yes. like, the scope. That's always fun. Um, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll I don't shoot a lot of video behind the scenes video, but more like you know you kind of see behind the scenes with the staff. I like to show like the staff together working, um, you know, cause we kind of have like a very distinct look and I like it when everyone's like kind of gathered together and doing something. So it looks, you kind of get a good idea of what we do. Uh, I like that. But yeah, I think that there'll definitely be more video coming, um, this year. So, so you said the app is vlog easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's V as in Victor L O G E A S Y. It's just, it's awesome. And it's a upgraded version of an old app they used to have that I used to use. And they just keep getting better and better because now it does vertical and horizontal. And mm-hmm. he just told me that they are um, about to do, you can insert like little funny movie clips. It's called yarning. Mm-hmm. And then they're getting um, music rights that will be free for people who use the app. Uh, it's just, just, it's so much easier to create video that way. 
Um, That's great. And I can just do it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it took me, uh, you know, I had to play with it a little bit and there were a few little kinks. Like if I would get over 10 minutes of footage throughout the day, like I'm just taking like little vlogs and at the end of the day I would, you know, put render everything together. Right. And so, um, like my phone had to, had to be charged. I couldn't have 20 other apps open at the same mm-hmm. time. You know, so there's like best practices that, that I've used. I'm actually, um, opening up, a am helping open a co-work space, um, on Charlotte. And so I know I'm, you told yeah, me about that. That's yeah. exciting. Oh, I'm so excited. May 7th, May 7th is the grand opening. Um, so Do you I'm need a help- caterer. I th- I don't think that they're gonna have. Well, there's there's five restaurants. In- I know you told I was just yeah, and so I think I don't think they're gonna have a caterer come in. I think that they're gonna have like people that are in you know ha- that have a restaurant in there like s- provide small bites and stuff. Um, but I would love for you to come and check it out and see it because we're gonna be having events in the space. And I know that people, especially our clients, they value food and they value that experience and homegrown and they support local. And so I know that we'll end up having you out, you know, to do food in the space. That would be fun. But I'm hoping to teach several classes and then have the creator who started Vlog Easy come out, talk about it. He's very much into listening to the people using it and how we can make it better. Um, and so I'll keep you updated on that because right now I'm doing like a, I'm working on a proposal for a real estate circuit where we train a bunch of real estate agents on how to use it and how to create content so that if you're shopping for a home or if you're selling your home, just like little tidbits, you know, throughout the day. And so people love that stuff. Like they really connect with people that way. So it's cool. Love it. That's great. Yeah. I'm excited to see that space. Oh, it's going to be beautiful every day. We like go by there and, you know, it's like meeting yesterday we met with Apple and we made our like wish list of like, cause I want everything technology wise to be top of the line, cordless, beautiful, super easy, voice controlled. It's going to be awesome. I'm, you know, tech geek. It's kind of like early when you were saying when you were teaching English and then cooking and people are like, Oh, that's the English teacher. And he cooks. It's kind of the same thing. It's like in Nashville, people know me as like the wedding planner that makes things really pretty. Mm-hmm. But outside of Nashville, it's like, Oh, that's that tech girl who like knows psychology, but then like does events too. But I'm not known like for event stuff. It's more like tech stuff. And so with social media, the branding message and getting it out there, it's been a real struggle, like getting people to understand. They're like, what exactly are you freaking doing? <laughs> like, right. All over the place. And I'm like, no, there's three specific things. Yes, weddings and events and community-based events and, you know, video stuff and technology stuff and productivity stuff. It all rolls together. It really does. They don't sure, understand, but it rolls together. And it works. And bottom line is, if you have passion around something, you can help other people. I don't really have to stay in one lane. You know, you can kind of go outside of it. So um, I'm excited about your workshops. Do you have the first date available yet? Or should people just watch social media for that? So uh, we're going to be releasing the first date soon because we're just working on the calendar for the spring. Uh, so. The best way to stay in touch, yeah, definitely keep keep an eye on our Instagram, which is where everything goes, um, or on Facebook, of course, it's linked. But uh, visit the website at southforktn.com, 
and sign up for our newsletter. Um, you know, that's where things will happen. And the classes will be small, probably six to eight people, you know, so people can be really active and interact with uh, the food, um, be able to work on, you know, we're, I think the first one I'm doing is uh, pasta and homemade pasta. So it's going to be in spring, how to make things from Tuscan kale, like Tuscan kale pesto. I'll probably do potato gnocchi, which I learned when I was in Tuscany a couple of years ago um, on a farm. Like a, we were doing a tour of uh, working farms where you can stay. It's uh, agroturismo. And I got to learn how to make this fantastic potato gnocchi from a wonderful woman who is uh, a chef at one of the properties. So probably do that things like that. So that'll be fun. Everyone loves fresh pasta. It's so easy to make if you just know the right steps to take. Um, and if you don't know how to cook, Angela, you could come. I know. I really should. So, that <laughs> would be last, fun. The last time, nothing is, I can do cereal and macaroni. I know how to work the <laughs> microwave really well. And then like the last time I put something on the stove, it's because our we were in brand new construction, our pipes busted. And oh, so I'm wow. like, oh my God, I don't even know how to turn on this. My mom's like, just boil some water to wash your face. I'm like, do I even have a pan that boils water? <laughs> And or, or a pot or whatever you call it. And she's like, yes, you have three pots. They're underneath. You know, she's like, tell me where she put it in the kitchen. So I find it and I'm like, it's gas. So I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm literally, you can't be good at everything. Okay. So that's true. It's like, I, I do true. stay in my lane on the creative business side of things. And then the last time I like make cookies with the kids, my sister's kids, not mine, but you know, they're fun part-time kids. And they're like, Anna, something's burning. And they're like, Anna can't even cook cookies. Like she's going to burn the house down. So the big joke is like, we just get takeout, like, you right. know, all the app. But for me, it is about convenience. And, you know, it's not like we're running to fast food. I mean, they're like the other night, I'm like, what do you guys want? They're like, Park Cafe. I'm like, you're probably the only nine year old that has Park Cafe. Like, they know the menu. Yes. They're like, can we get the fig pizza? And then they're like, oh, they're not making the fig pizza today. And I'm like, well, just bring them whatever pizza. I mean, it's all fine, you know. And then it's like prosciutto and, they're like, oh, prosciutto pizza. And yeah. most nine-year-olds like don't really know what that is. But anyway, it's just funny. It's just a different, um, you know, time, time is if you don't know how to cook and you don't like to cook, sometimes I would just rather order it off of an app. Yeah, that's why you have restaurants, but, you know. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you may come to it later yeah. uh, in life, you know. Hey, I would love to come to a show, um, to one of your workshops because then I could vlog about it and, um, I would learn and then the audience would learn and like, yeah. So keep me posted. I'll tell Amanda, I like, will. I sign up for the for newsletter. Sure. Yeah, for um, sure. So people can check you out. South Fork, you said TN. South Fork TN, yeah. TN for Tennessee. So sign up for the newsletter. And if you are in Nashville, watch for the workshop dates coming out. And um, I'm sure, do you, will you be doing like recipes and things on social media for people who aren't local to Nashville? Because I know we have a lot of listeners that are not local. Um, yeah, so. um, I will be. There'll be uh, some recipes that go along with uh, some of the workshops. Plus, there'll be farmer's market recipes, which we do right 
recipes for the farmer's market plus those little videos that we're doing. So they'll have some recipes as well. But I mean, the workshops aren't just for people who live in Nashville. You know, we're out in Franklin and Franklin's a great place to visit. So it you, is. Could come, you could come to visit Franklin or Nashville and come to one of the workshops if you live out of town. So that would be fun. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was so much fun. Yeah, and thank you too. I really had a great time talking to you. It's a, it's a real pleasure. Yeah, awesome. Guys, be sure to check out South Fork TN. Look for the workshops. I would say follow on Instagram because you have beautiful food and beautiful photography. And it just makes me really hungry thinking about it. It's um, past lunchtime. So, all right, guys, thanks so much for listening today. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Weddings Unveiled. Have a great day. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. And I'm so very grateful if you will leave a review. Be sure you are a subscriber so you never, ever miss the juicy details of Weddings Unveiled. Also, be sure that you're a part of my email list, and if not, you can sign up at AngelaProfit.com where I share valuable resources and exclusive products with only my subscribers. Before I go, I want to ask you, if you have a story or a product to share with the wedding and event industry, please let me know. To be considered as a guest on Weddings Unveiled, visit AngelaProfit.com and submit a podcast guest form. Until next time, remember to stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Weddings Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time for more insights to help you build a productive, profitable wedding or event business. For more great resources, head over to AngelaProfit.com.